<laughs> Things are getting a little harder, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, we're going to learn something about the parasha of Ayigash. Before we do that, I want to mention that this year is dedicated in loving men, memory of Ophir Agassi, Sichrono Libracha, by his family. Someday the story of Ophir Agassi will be told. He was an amazing person dedicated to his art, his family, and uh, to uh, Yiddishkeit, to being a Jew, no matter, you know, a, a serious Jew, no matter where he was. Someday the story will be told, and it deserves to be told. So this parasha, the parasha of Vayigash, begins with this pasuk, Vayigash, I love Yehuda. Yehuda. I mean, this Yehuda is confronting Yosef, Vayomer, Bi Adoni. He like opens up. Yedaberna Abdecha Davar Baoznai. Vizne Adoni. Vayichar Abcha Baabdecha Kikamocha Kiparo. You have to look at the Chumash. So this Pasuk, this Pasuk seems like a kind of, uh, this is what happened. Yehuda. Well, who appointed him? Who appointed Yehuda to be the spokesman? I'll speak to you. I mean, Yehuda knows that you don't just talk to a king. You don't tell him what to do. You don't tell him how to be. So Rashi changes around Yehuda's position. I'll speak to your ears. Rashi says, Rashi says, Yikansu divarai ba'oznecha. My words should be, find a way into your ears, into your ears. Just let me get the... Yikansu divarai ba'oznecha. Ve'al yicharapcha. Don't, don't get angry. Yehuda starts out, don't get angry. From this you learn that his intention was to speak harshly to Yosef. Yosef, remember, is just uh, the, the king in, in, in Mitzrayim. That's what Yosef, Yehuda says, I'm afraid because you're really like Paro. So, so if she's really like Paro, he's really afraid. So why is he speaking? You that says, you are worthy in my eye. I treat you as a king. But the fact of the matter is, you don't go to talk to a king. Stop. You talk to his courtier. You talk to the people who are around him. You try to kind of get a way of softening the request. You don't kind of just come in and talk to us to a king. 
Umidrasho. And so the Chachamim had a different take on this Pasuk. A different take than, than Rashi presented. So Chalil Kot Alav Bitzarat. Kimoshe Lakaparo Al Yadi. Al Yadi Ziknati Sarat. Alayla Achachi. Because he says, he says, Chazal saw this Pasuk as having a hidden meaning. The the way we read it, the way we read it, ki kamocha kiparo, meaning you are like a pharaoh, you're a king, you're somebody of great importance, kamocha kiparo. Chazal, they read it, your end is going to be the same as Paro's end. Which Paro? Right, Rashi. Look at the Rashi. See, it says Medrasho. So you're going to be smitten by tsarat by some sort of leprosy. Just like Paro was smitten in the past by Sarah, my grandmother. He sort of held him back one night. Right, that's kikamocha kiparo. That your end is was it was a, the chazala changing the roles on the level of pshat. Yehuda is very nervous about going to speak to Paro, who's a king, and who's who used Yehuda. He's just the guy who came from Canaan, and he doesn't have any great powers. At least we don't think so. Then Medrasho Chazal say. Uh, that Kikamocha, he says to Paro, you will end up the same way that famous Paro in the past ended up, and that's with the, the leprosy. The Varacher, a further uh, interpretation, Ma Paro gozer veino bekayem, maftiach veino ose, just like Paro has edicts, but he doesn't fulfill them. And Afatakeng, you're the same way. Is that the way you look upon things? Place your eye on him. Another another version, interpretation, Takniteni Erogotcha If you'll kind of annoy me. I'll kill you, and I'll kill your master. So, here it is. It's what it says, Ki paro. So Rashi makes an asik out of it. And he says, Ki paro. It doesn't make any sense that you would say to the king that he's kamocha paro. What do you say to a king? You're not number one, you're number two. I mean, you wouldn't say that. At least Rashi doesn't think that you would say that. I don't think you would say kikamocha kiparo. So kikamocha means something else. It means Yehuda is taking a tough stand. He's taking a tough stand against against this man who's standing in front of him, who has the the feeling of being paro, of being paro. So on this question, 
we could add to it by Yigashe Lav Yehuda, right? By Yigashe Lav Yehuda, the bear, by the Adonai Yehuda, bear Namdecha Davar, Baznei Adonai. When you say that, when you say that to somebody, I hope you'll really, you'll listen. I hope your ears are working. I hope, I mean, that's not the way you talk to a king. And this Rashi was very, very sensitive to this matter. And that sensitivity exists in the Medrash. If we look at the Medrash, look at the Medrash. We scroll down, and we see where it says, Tefillin Perik Memchet. So Tilim Perkis Tilim Pem Memchet is right here on the on the sheet. So Shir Mizmor Lebnei Korach. That's the introduction to the Perik. Uh, the Bnei Korach probably had something to do with the Beit Hamikdash, and there were certain songs that were or poems that were recorded in their name. Gedol Hashem Umolomahod. God is great. God is praiseworthy. Beir Elokeinu. So this is a, a a chapter about Yerushalayim, about praising God in Yerushalayim. It's a beautiful place. It's a happy place. means the great king. God in its castles is known for the for his greatness. And then there's Pasuke. There's Pasuke. The kings have met together of They came, they passed over together. So the Chazal said this. You see, Breshit Rabba, Breshit Rabba, Kineam Lachim no Adu, Avru Yachtav, Apostolim. In a chapter with has to do with Yerushalayim and the blood, the beauty of Yerushalayim, the greatness of Yerushalayim, the presence of God in Yerushalayim, all of this is, is in Tehillim Perek of Bemchet. Now in Breshit Rabba, Parashat Vayigash, Parashat Sari Gimel, it says this, Ki hinei amlachim no adu avru yachtav. Ki hinei amlachim, the Medrash says, Ze Yehuda v'Yosef. Which melachim are meeting? Yehuda and Yosef, Yehuda and Yosef never met in Yerushalayim. But when, when the Chachomim looked at this Pasuk, it says, well, it reminds us something that we know. What we know is that the proper way to read this parasha is that it represents a conflict between the kings. The king who is a king, that's Yosef, and the king who's becoming a king, and that's Yehuda. The king who's becoming a Yehuda, and, and therefore... 
They said, Yehuda Yosef Abru Yachdav. Ze Nitmalei Evra Alze. Ze, the one Nitmalei Evra, anger Alze. They were angry with it. Well, I guess it's, it's Yehuda who asked Yosef, asked Yosef not to be too angry with what he says. So, so the pasuk, the pasuk says, "No, adu, avru, yachdav," and the medrash says, "You see the last underlined line, zeham nitmalei evra al zeh, v'zeh nitmalei evra al zeh." So the. They were looking and they had questions. They had, they had certain doubts. So the, the Medrash says, right? The continuation, the Posuk, Posuk Zion. So the word Vayitmehu, one second, if I... No, I do of Avru Yachtav Heimorau Kain Tamahu Nivhalu Nechpazu. They were very frightened. They were very frightened. Rada Chazatam Sham Chilcheyoleda. They were afraid of what they had created. So, what did Chazal say? Chazal, Chazal say that really there, there was this great conflict between Yosef and Yehuda. And that great conflict is largely represented in the Perak, Perak Memchet in Tehillim. And that representation is further explained to us in the Medrash, in the Medrash Rabbo. So it's one of those cases where something is happening that you see and then beyond what's happening that you see, there is something happening that you don't see. And in fact, this pasuk at the beginning of the parasha teaches us that it was the beginning of the, there were the first strides that Yehuda took in order to become the king of Israel. And it's also the first strides that Yosef took that made it impossible for him to continue king of Egypt and transfer that kingship to the king of, of Israel. And the reason for that, the reason for that is that there's a distinction that is drawn between kingship in Israel and kingship in the rest of the world, which Yosef was rejecting. 
Yosef was saying, you could be the king of Egypt and the king of Israel at the same time. And Yehuda said, no, you can't. Either you're the king of Israel and you're with us, or you're the king of Egypt and you're going to be, you're going to be rejected. So that's what, this was the beginning of the story of Yehuda. Even though there's another story of Yehuda previously, but this is the beginning of the story of Yehuda and his march to becoming the king of Israel. And it's also the story of Yosef losing control. Losing control. Remember that Yaakov Avinu, when he died, he asked the brothers to take him to, to Eretz Kenan and bury him immediately. And that might be the reason for that might be that uh, the reason for that might be that uh, Jacob saw them losing it in 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 Egypt, losing their determination to go back to Eretz Canaan, to reestablish themselves as a nation that had land. And, and and an inheritance that was brought to them from HaKadosh Baruch This was something that, that Yaakov felt strongly about, and he realized that the only thing he could do was to force them to bury him now in Eretz Canaan, and by doing that, reinforcing the notion that the future could only be in Eretz Canaan. Couldn't be, there couldn't be a future in any other in any other place. Uh, so Yosef represented the idea that you might be able to live in Egypt. I mean, of course, the Melech Hadash, there was a new king that came along that said, you can't, you can't live in Egypt. But the people might have thought during the time of, during the time of Yosef, that everything was kind of calm and peaceful, that uh, that could be the future. And it took uh, slavery and the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu to get that out of out of their system, so to speak. But we know that Yosef was not able to command the people to do the same for him as they had done, as the brothers had done for their father. Yosef couldn't say, bury me now in Eretz Kenan. The response would not be great. So Yosef said, when you leave Egypt, on the way to Eretz Canaan, take me with you. Take me with you. So that this pasuk becomes a turning point in the, in the study of the, 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 the family of, uh, of Yaakov. And the decision is going to be made about Malchus, about who gets the Meleth, the Malchus. Now, with your permission, there's a point that I would like to repeat, which connects to this as well, which I've already mentioned. And I want to say it again, because I think that it has singular importance. Singular importance. Why do I need three avot? Why do we say in Shmon Esrei, Abraham, Why do we say that? Well, because we think that we're made up somehow from those three great individuals. They, in the in modern lingo, they provided the DNA for Am Yisrael, something that didn't exist before. 
something that that Hashem wanted, wanted us to be able to reconstitute ourselves under the the heading of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. But then you could say, well, why three of them? Why, why do you need three Avot to be the father of the nation? I mean, couldn't, you, couldn't one be sufficient? So let's look at the three Avot. Let's look at the three Avot. You look at the three Avot, you see Abraham. His greatness was Emunah, faith. He had faith. He knew that Hashem was the creator and the engineer of the world that we lived in. He knew that. How did he know it? Well, he was just smart enough, knowledgeable enough to know something like that. And whereas other people who are very clever, according to the Rambam, some of the Greek philosophers, were not able to come to that kind of conclusion, even though it is correct. So there is Abraham. But there's another side to Abraham. Because he was the way he was, because everything for him was a matter of faith, Avraham Avinu could not countenance in his orbit somebody who did not have that kind of faith. And so if you look again at the stories about Lot and Yishmael, you'll see that either they sent themselves away or they were sent away by Avraham and Sarah. Well, it doesn't really matter. But the family of Avraham, at the end of the day, even if you know that he had children with Keturah, but the family of Avraham Avinu had only one member in it, and that was Yitzchak. Because Avraham Avinu, he just couldn't get along with people who didn't see his emunah as being obvious. Unlike Yitzchak. Yitzhak was an Olat Mima. He was he was sacrificed for the for the cause that uh, that that he was uh, bred for. Yitzhak was something special. Abraham said, "God wants me to slaughter you." So Yitzhak said, "Okay, if that's what God wants, that's what I want." Yish, uh, 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 so again, Yishmael was not like that. And he left. He couldn't stand all that frumkeit, you know, from Avram Avinu. Yitzchak, in turn, he also had two children. He had a, a child named uh, Yaakov and another child named Esau. Now, Yaakov and Esau were different. Yaakov was a, a student in the yeshiva. And Esau was ruthless, unkind unpleasant, and caused Yaakov's eventual, eventually leaving Eretz Canaan to go to the house of Lot. Yaakov himself had four wives and 12 sons, and it doesn't seem, and it doesn't seem like these 12 sons were all the same. In fact, we know that Reuven, Shimon, Levi, they, they, they did things that perhaps they should not have done. We know that Yosef angered his brothers, so he was wrong. And the brothers wanted to kill him, so they were wrong. It was not exactly 
It was not exactly the most pleasant household that you could imagine. But Yaakov, in different from Abraham and Yitzchak, Yaakov was different than Abraham and Yitzchak. And Yaakov said, all of my children are part of Klal Yisrael. All of them. It doesn't matter if they've dabbled with idolatry or they have drunk. Uh, in unexplainable uh, uh, drinks, eaten unnecessary food. All that comes from the stories that Yosef told in the beginning of Ayeshev. Look at the Rashi in the beginning of Ayeshev. So Yaakov, Yaakov was different than his ancestors. Then Abraham and Yitzchak. Abraham and Yitzchak wanted to have a pure family, a family where everybody was right and everybody was the same and everybody did what they were supposed to do. And if somebody showed up in the family who was not of that of that kind, then they were expelled, sent away. So you couldn't make a nation of Avrahams. You could make a nation of Yitzchaks, but you could make a nation of Yaakovs. And that's what happened. That's what happened to Am Yisrael. And we also mentioned the fact in the past that Yaakov had a name change. Yaakov's name was changed from Yaakov to Yisrael. But we also know that the Torah doesn't always use his new name, Yisrael. Because Yaakov and Yisrael represent two aspects of his personality. One very good and one not so good. Yaakov reminds me of the fact that Esau was born first and Yaakov was hanging onto his heel. Yaakov was the one who stole the birthright. Yaakov was the one who lied to his father. Yaakov was the one who ran away from his brother. All of that is Yaakov. But Yaakov was the one who sat in yeshiva and learned, and Yaakov was the one who passed the Torah on to his children, and Yaakov was the one who was concerned that before they get to Eretz Yisrael or Eretz Mitzrayim, before they get to Egypt, there should be a Torah community ready to welcome them and make sure that the Torah would continue to be studied so that Yaakov himself was a complex person from the religious point of view. He wasn't always exactly the same. He made a big mistake. B'kesh L'shevet B'shalvarash, he says that Yaakov, when he came back to Eretz Canaan, said, okay, I did it. I went to uh, Padana Ram, I went to the house of Lot, and then after 20 years, I came back. What else could I do? So B'kesh L'shevet B'shalvo, he wanted to go into retirement. And the Kodesh Rosh said, anybody who's in the flow of history can't retire. There's no way that you, Yaakov, will not have to confront history. And if 
they are going to be called to go down to Mitzrayim. Their chances are much better if you, Yaakov, go with them. So we say, Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, but we mean that amongst us there may be people who achieve some kind of perfection, some rare attitudinal uh, uh, positions which remind us of Abraham and Yitzchak, but most of us, most of us have difficulties. Most of us have difficulties in those difficulties. We could sometimes overcome, yeah. We very often are Yaakov, but not always, not every day, not every time. All the best. I'll see you next week. Be well. Thank you. Thank you very much.